that you open our hearts to what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have a small stage, but... All right, so I get to teach a lot in a lot of different uh, ways, um, and I've been teaching for a while, and not even just, I don't mean like church-wise, I teach a lot uh, in my other profession, and one of the things you learn is the longer you teach is different crowds need different things. Uh, I know college, uh, I was uh, in pre-law, and they're big on the Socratic method, I think I'm saying that right, where like pretty much they just give you this question, it's open-ended, you're not sure what the right answer is, you argue about it, and you have no clue what the professor actually wants, and I hated it. I didn't like that. And there's other times in my profession where you have to get a little intense. You've got to induce some stress. Stress is important. If you can't get the heart rate up, you can't teach. And if you can't understand under high pressure, then you can't function. And there's a lot of times to do that. And there's other times that, and that I think is probably the most valuable way of teaching is people need to feel comfortable. People need to know that uh, there will not be admonishment. There will not uh, be judgment. There is just pure need for education. And that education comes from loving and that education comes from saying, like, hey, I'm literally trying to lead you to truth, okay? So um, that's what I'm doing right now. And in big, big context, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of today. But right now, I'm about to ask you a question. Before I ask you this question, I want you to remember that every breath we take is a gift from God. And that uh, the gospel is true and sound and salvation is at hand. And many of us are believers. Many of us are raising our kids up in the ways to walk with Christ. And that should invoke some incitement. And that should invoke, like, genuine response. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Woo! Yeah. All right. That was still horrible. And I did two minutes of buildup. Some of you didn't say anything. It's a small room. I know all of your first and last names. How's everybody doing? Good. All right. That still wasn't that great. I'm not going to lie to you. But we have to move on. Um, we are going to be in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. We're actually going to move around a little bit, but we will stay inside that book. We're going to be in Matthew 13, 44 through 46 first, and then I will give you the other ones as they come along. So if you want to turn there, that's where uh, we will be. We're continuing in our study of, uh, of the parables and the teachings of Christ, and it's really important that we understand every time we teach or learn something and why we're learning it. Um, everything in the Bible is fruitful. Everything in the Bible is meant to be learned and applied and taught and to guide our lives. But it's also good to know the specificity of why we're learning this, why we're learning it right now. And one of the reasons we landed on parables is because we think at Trinity Church, this is a specific time in the life of this church, a specific time in the life of this city, in this country, that we have to stand on truth. Because there's a lot coming at us, whether it be social media, whether it be the news, whether it be whatever. There's just so much information coming at you, and there's no way to know what, what real information is unless you know truth. We can have opinions, and we can have um, preferences, and all those things are great. Individuality is okay inside the understanding that you are a child of God. You're allowed to um, have your own uh, beliefs inside uh, a, 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 an umbrella or a spectrum of biblical truth. So anything that's outside of that, it, it, we have to hone in. We have to say, does it match up with what Christ teaches us? Does it match up with how we're supposed to live our life? And one of the things we want to do this summer, we've been doing this summer, is we're going to walk through some of the teachings of Christ. Christ taught for three years. Everything he did, every step he took, every breath 
he, he breathed was in some way uh, either a, a literal lesson or a, a, a lesson of imagery or a lesson of how you live your life, either by example or either by word. He taught at every chance he could. Um, we've been moving through his parables. We picked out um, some of the parables that we thought were the foundational keys of Christ's teaching and that would lead to the understanding of, of how you need to live your life as a child of God. And that's ultimately what we want to do here at Trinity Church. At Trinity Church, we think the Bible means a lot. It means everything. It's where we find our refuge, our rock, and our foundation. And that's really easy to say in church, because every church, if you got every pastor in Dallas in a room and say, we're going to do a true-false, and there's one answer, is the Bible important? Every one of them is going to say true. But then if you spread them out and go to their church, you're going to find out that's actually true. You're going to actually say, okay, you said it was true because you have to. You're a pastor. Um, you're, you're, you're a teacher of the Bible. But do you actually teach what the Bible says, or do you just pick really happy things to harp on? And at Trinity Church, we know that the Bible will sustain you. The Bible will save you. The Bible saved me. The Bible will save you. The Bible will save your kids. It will save your grandkids. There's beautiful truth inside this word, but you have to believe it. You can't say Tim is a really hyped speaker, and I like when he says stupid stuff. And some of you are in here to see what I'm going to say, and I don't care as long as your butt's in the seat. But we have, y'all I mean, we're about to go back to push-ups, because I teach in two different variations, and if one doesn't work, you go to high stress, high five. If you can't think and move, shoot, move and communicate. None of y'all should shoot. Um, but we have, we, 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 that means something here at Trinity Church. You can look at how we teach. You can look at how we live. And we say, we're not perfect. We're not a perfect church. We are a broken church uh, filled with broken people who love Jesus. But we're going to hold the Bible to be true. We're going to hold the Bible at a high. And, and this is actually, um, this may get me in some trouble. I'm going to say a few things today that get me in trouble. I didn't plan on this getting me in trouble, but it's going to because I see some of you, and I'm not here to judge you. I'm about to lay out personal preference. This is not Tim as your lead pastor. Take three seconds away. When I say we need to lean into the Bible, I really want you to lean into a Bible, right? Like a actual, and this is, this is I know you're like, no, it's on the Bible. Like, I know I'm looking at our other guy, and me and Jamie and Argy all the time, like, get off your phone. You're really on Instagram. Um, but I think it's really important for, the, for your, your kids to see that you're in the book, right? Because it's easy for Asher to just assume I'm on Instagram, and a lot of times he would just be right. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. Like, get a Bible, mark it up, study it, get a study Bible. Don't always pour into what I'm teaching you. I don't want you just to take me at my word and hope that Tim's never messing up. I want you to always know what we're teaching and be able to push back. That was completely free. We have to move on. But for the last few weeks, we've walked through some really important um, markers in Christ's teaching. Uh, uh, a few weeks ago, I called on stewardship. Stewardship is uh, invaluable in its understanding of we own Nothing. We are stewards of Christ's gifts. Everything we have, whether it be the, the blood in our veins, the, uh, the breath in our lungs, those are gifts of grace from Jesus Christ. And if we understand that, then how we live our life will reflect it. And honestly, how we live our life, we'll have this peace. Come, come hell or high water, come rain or come shine, we'll understand that everything we have is a gift from God. Everything we have, we are stewarding. We are just stewards of our, our intelligence, our ability, our work, our work ethic, um, our house, our car, our clothes. Everything we're here stewarding. Everything is something that Christ has allowed us to have. One, it's a, it's a peaceful way to live life. It means that you are bound and determined to find yourself in a level of contentment if you understand everything is a gift from Christ. And obviously, it's a good way for us to run this church biblically because we are 
absolutely on our own now. And that's a beautiful, that's an amen. Hey, like, hey, this is a class moment, right? We are financially on our own. Our planting church has been beautiful. Park City Baptist Church has done more than we could ever ask for in their generosity. And we are actually a self-sustaining, completely independent church. And that is a gift from God. But honestly, if we don't understand stewardship and you don't give what Christ has called you to give, these lights stop coming on. And that should scare some people. It doesn't scare me. It, it, it scares a lot of church plant pastors because they're like, I, I just need the lights to come on so I can teach the Word of God. I'm actually joyful that we're in that spot. We have earned the right to be in that spot. There's a lot of church plants that don't get to make it to their fifth year, that don't get to make it to their first year of sustainability. They don't get to do that. And we have absolutely got in the streets and in the gutter of life, and we have come out the other side by the grace of God, and we have earned the right to say, steward this church well. We have earned the right to say, we are going to make it next month and next month because of the faithful people in this room. Last week, Jamin, thank you. There's a few people in here. Y'all are absolutely like, we're about, we're this close to doing push ups. Uh, last week, Jamin did a really good job of explaining don't judge. Uh, uh, and we, we think that a lot in 2019 to the point where we have really misinterpreted some of the beautiful truths of the Bible because we think don't judge equals tolerate sin. And what don't judge means is don't be self righteous, you're a broken sin. Now, don't tolerate sin is what Paul calls us to do all throughout the epistles where he says you cannot tolerate open rebellion from God. There's a difference from me saying, hey, big jam, I love you, you're broken, I see this brokenness, I want to come alongside you, and I want to walk with you so we can find the will of God, versus me saying, I can't judge Big Jerem, I'm a sinner, he's a sinner, let's just do our life together. That's, that's completely different theologies. One is this, uh, this, this new age, 2019 Christianity, where we're saying, everything's okay, because if it's not okay, then we actually have to get in somebody's business and tell them they're wrong. And that's, that's not real love. That's not real pastoralship. That's not real friendship. If I look at you and think, hey, you're broken and you're doing some really bad things in open rebellion, but you know what? Told not to judge. You do you. Live your best life. God's not calling you to live your best life. God's calling you to follow his will. Now, at the same time, you can't do it from a place of self-righteousness. You can't do the speck and the log. You can't say, hey... You're, you're doing some things I know you shouldn't do when you yourself are equally walking in open rebellion. So it's a two-part scenario where, one, you have to make sure your house is in order because God's called you for your house to be in order. And when your house is in order or when you are at least trying to walk in accordance to the will of God, then you can help others walk in accordance to the will of God. So don't judge. is not this bastion of tolerance. It's actually Christ saying, I want you to walk in a way that people will come alongside you and you're going to follow, you're going to do life, you're going to, you're going to have to dig deep together to find the will of God. And this week, we're going to land on the understanding of radical abandonment, the understanding of radical faith. You're going to see uh, a really short uh, parable. I think there's three verses. It's like 20 words, but the goal is to sell everything for the cause of Christ. So the, it's going to be Matthew 13, 44 through 46. Um, it, it's, I'll read it. You can stand with me in the honorance of, of God's holy word. There's Bibles around you. Feel free to grab one. Chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search for a fine pearl, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had 
and body. Amen. You may be seated. Let me pray over us, and we're going to dive in to this scripture. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the uh, the air in our lungs and the life in our veins. God, I pray for the next few minutes that anything that would distract us, anything that has captivated our heart other than the Spirit, to, to be just rebuked and removed. I pray that for the next 10 minutes we can just sit here and completely focus on your words for your ways and your glory. Amen. All right, so let's break this down a little bit. It's really short, but the implications are immense. The implications are really hard. The idea that you need to sell everything. Because a lot of you are saying, like, I don't want to sell anything. Like, I, I like my stuff. I've got it to where uh, I like it. And um, I, it, finders keepers. So verse 44. Uh, you laugh. A lot of us live out our life in the finders keepers scenario. Uh, so the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about salvation. He is talking about um, um, just the gospel of Christ. The kingdom of heaven is, is salvation. He is saying, I have found the gospel of Christ. I have found the Messiah. I have found um, the eternal life in the presence of the triune God. I found that in a field which a man found and covered up. He covered it up means he knew it was valuable and he didn't want to lose it. He is not saying that you get saved and you just keep that information. You build up walls in a church and you party about, yay, we're the called and we're the chosen. That's in no way what this is saying. This is literally just saying a farmer found something and he covered it up. Not implication of how you live out the gospel of Christ. So he's saying he found something extremely valuable. He found something so valuable that he knew he could sell everything and get that, and it was worth it. Take that into context. Everything in this parable means everything. But you know how I know that? Because when Christ says, sell everything and follow me, he means everything. Everything. Every possession this person has ever owned, he sold because there was nothing in comparison to what he had found. And that's how God is calling us to live our life. That's what Christ is saying. What I have for you in comparison to anything else is rubbish. Sell it all and follow me. He doubles down by teaching the identical parable just with a different twist. And again, the kingdom of heaven, salvation, the gospel of Christ is like a merchant who finds a pearl. A pearl is a commonly understood thing of value, of great value. He went and sold all that he had and bought it. He knew that everything he had ever owned, everything he currently owned, everything he would per, uh, own in the future in comparison to this pearl meant nothing. He sold everything he had and bought the pearl. And that's ultimately what God is calling us to do with our life. He's saying anything you have, anything that possesses you, anything that you possess, anything that you, uh, you claim to be of value, sell it off. Because it's nothing in accordance to living out the will of God through the gospel of Christ. He's saying there is one way to live, and that's in the will of God. There's one Savior to follow, and that's Jesus Christ. There's one God to pray to, and that's the, that's the triune God. And anything else has to go. Salvation is at hand. And I love this, because... One of the things that, that strikes to me in, 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 in the Bible, as far as my teaching and my understanding, I'm a simple person, right? Not super educated, went to college. Uh, we were joking this weekend about college, so I married a brainiac, right? Like, and that's just how you know there's a triune God, because I, I'm not a great at reading and writing, and she's amazing at reading and writing. And, and we, together, were one efficient English student. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, just like every college, they adorn you with all these honors, right? So Joe, um, Joe graduated like first in her class at Washtenaw, first in her class at Baylor. Uh, she set the record for the NCLEX test for Baylor. I think she still holds the record for the NCLEX test 
at Baylor. Um, she actually graduated number one uh, at Washtenaw and Baylor with a with the same GPA. She's girl is insane, and she will tell you, "I'm not smart. I'm just really good at testing." Do I remind her? That's the only way they judge intelligence in any educational system. That's like saying, "Like I'm not good at college. I just ace tests." It's like, oh, sweetie. So, anyways, when we graduated, this girl was bald out. Like you're talking, like just. Like, to the point where she's like, do you want to borrow some of these ribbons? And you're like, you're like, well, one, yes. But two, that seems disingenuous. But she's like, everything, everything. Yay, yay, yay. Um, I'm so smart. I married a significantly dyslexic kid. But the joke is, if you watch us in pictures, she just looks like, it's just insane. And I have a black, I have a black graduation gown. And that's it. Um, there's not a thing on it. Um, and you know what? But I was just... Glad they gave me the black robe, honestly. Anyway, so I like simple, inf I like information. I like understandable and applicable information. Um, don't fire me. I can read some, like, I really, you've got emails from me. Jamin is our email guy, and there's a reason. But, sell all means sell all. There's no moderation. I don't have to say no, guys. So what they're saying is, like, 83% of what you have, you can quantify to be yours, but, you know, the other, we just need to, no, he's all, all of it, right? No moderation. I love that. Faith and radical belief in Christ has no room for moderation. Now, I'm going to step on some toes because some of you are saying, yes, I want to be sold out, but I also need me time, right? Like, I need a Sabbath. I know a lot of spiritual words that can trick me into thinking I need a break. And there's nothing wrong with a Sabbath, but you've got to earn it. Some of, the, some of the problems at the beginning of this church and some friction and leadership at the beginning of this church was, I'm not 100% sure we earned all the Sabbaths we took. Because we knew how to church up words and say, hey, I want to be all in. I want to sell everything. Every other Sunday, I want to sell everything. And you know what? We can't meet all the time. We can't do all of these things. And there is truth. You can get strung out. You have to take care of yourself. I am not advocating that you just run yourself in the hole, burn the candles at both ends, and just see what's left over. I'm somewhat emulating that in my life, but I'm telling you it's not a healthy version of life. I want you to take care of yourself because a healthy you is ultimately what God's called you to be. But don't trick yourself into a break you haven't earned. You have to understand, when you are radically devoted to Christ, moderation is for cowards, and you have to sell all. And you know how I know that? Because I don't know anyone that wrote a book in the Bible or was, their life was captated in the Bible that didn't seem really tired. I want you to take a Sabbath, and I want you to sleep well. I want you to get eight hours. I want you to eat well. It doesn't have to be all organic. I know you all live in North Oak Cliff, so like if it's not organic, you just kick it. But I'm saying that everyone in the Bible went to bed tired, their back hurting, their knees hurting from praying, and they could probably barely hold up their hands. There's no scenario where we look at Paul, and I think, man, well-rested bro. Now, I'm not, again, don't, don't go like, I don't need your email saying, Tim, you don't understand. Like meditation and prayer. Like all those things are extremely valuable. But what Christ wants is complete devotion. And what Satan wants is a soft church. Uh, Satan wants to talk you into, I can only do this or that. Like, I, I'm not saying overburden yourself, but I'm saying get pretty close. I'm saying go to bed tired. Earn your sleep. Earn your break. Sell everything. And again, we're going to go back to stewardship. Because stewardship is understanding. It's easy to sell everything if you know you're just being a steward and you're a conduit for Christ. If this house isn't mine, this car isn't mine, then sell it. It shouldn't have you. We joke all the time, like, hey man, we're not going to take any of this with us. This is all just for show. 
Yeah, I'm not saying like, yeah. If you need nice jeans, because you know they they feel comfortable, then buy nice jeans. But you still, we still need that ten percent, bro. <laughs> and we'll take it in the form of jeans. I'll resell that. I wasn't meant to be a joke. I mean, it is. Do not. Catherine's gonna freak if she's like Tim. People just start giving us their clothes. <laughs> But possession and the value of, of the gospel are interconnected. Because if you don't understand the value of the gospel, and you don't understand possession and stewardship, then you don't understand selling everything because it doesn't make economic sense. Right? If you don't understand the value of the gospel is a 10 out of 10, and your possessions are a 1, then you're going to say, like, oh, that, 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 no, that, that, that can't hunt. That math doesn't add up, Tim. So understanding the gospel of Christ, understanding what you've been called to, understand what Christ did for you on the cross, is vital to understanding your willingness to sell all. And I know some of you are thinking, like, he's not calling me to sell all. He may not be calling you to sell everything you've ever actually possessed. But I promise you, he is calling you to sell anything that controls your heart, mind, and spirit for the gospel of Christ. He may not want you to put your house on the market, but hear this, he may. He absolutely may say, you're, you're in over your head with your house. Your car is way nicer than you need. You don't need those jeans. You don't, you're not going to speak to myself. Like, I'm not trying to put on you. You don't need that tattoo. You don't need the next pair of Warby uh, Parker glasses. There's a lot of things that out there you don't need. He's not saying, sell your home so your kids can live under a bridge. He's saying, if there's anything that captivates your heart that's not the gospel of Christ, sell it. Amen. Get it gone. I'm yelling at y'all again. I like that. I learn better when people yell at me. I'm not joking. I'm not saying it's healthy and I'm not trying to break me down. I know. But I'm telling you, I learn better when people get amped. And you can probably tell that because I'm amped. So let's end with this. Like You have to sell, right? Either It may be stuff. It may be idols. It may be both. Your, your idols may be stuff. And that's even simpler because there's a cash value to it, right? I'm obsessed with fill in the blank. Shoes. Cars. Pants. If that's the case, you know what, honestly, you got off a little easy because you can actually quantify that. You can literally sell that. It's a little harder than what you need to sell. It's just something that captivates your heart. You need to sell social media. You need to sell the websites you know you should not be going to. You need to sell that next drink. You need to sell whatever has captivated your heart and has stopped you to be able to progressively follow Christ Jesus has to go. But this should remind us, every time I hear sell, 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 the, the, the next thing I think is the, the, the rich young ruler. Do you know what I'm talking about? We're about to read. The rich young ruler, sell all. They're always connected with me. And it's a beautiful example. I'm going to read it right quick, and I'm going to move quick. And behold, the man came up saying, Teacher, what, what good deed must I do for eternal life? Eternal life, again, salvation. He's not willing to live forever. He wants to walk in, in accordance. He wants, to, he wants to kneel before the one true God. And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want eternal life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he gave him a literal list, right? And that's what we want. We want a literal list. We want like, hey, I haven't murdered anyone. I haven't cheated on my wife. I love my parents. And I've tricked myself into thinking I actually love my neighbor. So I'm doing good. This list, I'm a list, I'm a, I'm a type 8. I don't know exactly what that means. My wife always says, you're such an 8 um, on the Enneagram. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Everything I said was just true, though. Um, 
So we want a list. He gives him. He starts off with the list, right? Christ says, there's this list. We've, we've made it. It's the Old Testament, right? You understand? He goes, yes, and I've done it. Checked it all off. He goes, okay. All these things I've kept, what do I like? And Jesus answered him, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess. Give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Come, follow me. And the young man went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So Christ again is saying, hey, you want to follow me. You want to be part. He's not saying an actual life of perfect without sin. He's saying if you want to follow the gospel of Christ, if you want to live in accordance to what I've called you to do, sell everything you have. And he's, he's calling him, sell everything you actually have. Take, you, you can keep one shoes, one tunic. Like Christ tells his followers what he can, they can keep, and everything else has to go. Because you're planning, you're planning for a retirement that's never going to happen, right? If you're a follower of Christ, if you're an apostle of Christ, if, if, you're, if you wrote a book in the New Testament, they're plan, like, there's no retirement. You're preaching the word of God until someone kills you. That's why every one of them died bad, but they died with joy in their heart because they sold everything and followed him. So he says, sell everything. And then he turns around and he's sorrowful because he has a lot of possessions. He's not sad that he has a lot of stuff and the selling his stuff is going to take too much time. He's sad because he walks away knowing he ain't going to do it. He's not saying, do you understand how long it would take to put the house on the market to get a good trade value for my car? This, this, and that. He's not saying any of that. He's walking away sad because he knows what Christ has called him to do, he will not do. But here's what's heartbreaking about this. What does he say? Come, follow me. Where have we heard that before? That specific sentence with Christ. And called the disciples. Many theologians smarter than me says Christ called 13 disciples, 12 answered it. So what we hear right now is we have a great example of what Christ has called you to do. And we, the, rich, the rich young ruler, we don't even know his name because he walks away sorrowful. He is called. Come, follow me. We see in Matthew 4, 18-22, when he calls Peter and Andrew, he says, come, follow me. Their answer immediately left their nets. He calls James and John, hey, come, follow me. Immediately followed him and left their nets. They left everything they had ever known, and they died bad, but they died for a cause, and they died for the cause of Christ, and they have joy in their hearts. I have no clue what happened to this rich young ruler, but it wasn't good. Christ calls his 13th disciple, Possibly. And he walks away. And he doesn't walk away for any other reason than he knows I'm not selling a thing for you. Like I started off, I said I teach, I teach a lot and I like teaching. Um, I asked Asher today what I should teach about and he wanted me to make y'all better policemen. Um, he gets confused. He's like three and he's like, you do what? So right now my titles at home were policeman, detective, pastor, and Batman. And he doesn't completely get the there's two jobs. Um, so he just thinks it's a really complicated job. <laughs> um, but again, I teach a lot, and I love teaching. I think, it's, uh, I think it's one of the things God's called me to do. I think it's a gift that God's given me. And one of the things I ask my classes when I start is, uh, especially if it's, a, if it's a tangible skill, like Thursday we taught for 12 hours, not 12 hours, 8 hours in the sun, it was horrible, about the ability to apply a tourniquet. Right? You got 20 seconds if you get hit in a femoral or a posterior artery. You got 20 seconds till you, till you lose motor functions. You got 45 seconds till you lose consciousness. And once you lose consciousness, it doesn't really matter the rest of the time, right? So, your ability to actually do something important. And you want, we ask that class, where are you right now? Your ability is right now. Because lying to yourself will get you killed quicker than anything else. So, that's what I'm going to ask yourself right now. Where are you? 
Have you been called to sell something and you've refused, you've walked away and said, this is mine, and now there's a war going on for your heart? Or are you in the process of selling something, but you're scared? You're like, Tim, I want to sell, I want to give it up, and I'm terrified. To that, I say, welcome to the club. I've been scared since the day I said yes to this job. But it doesn't change the marching order. That's why I love the Bible. That's why I love it. It's, 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 it's beautifully simplistic, but it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. Where are you? Because all the teachings in the world, I can yell at you. Jamie can be as funny with his great hair. We can all have what we bring to the table. And none of it's for anything if you just sit there and lie to yourself week after week after week. You could have tricked yourself into think you sold everything. You haven't moved a dime. Because again, Satan wants a soft church. And he wants a, a self-reliant uh, on each other church. Satan wants a lot of things for the church of Christ and none of them are good. Satan wants you to sit there this Sunday and next Sunday in men's and women's Bible studies. And every time we get together, Satan wants you to lie to yourself. He wants you to have no ability to actually reconcile, reconcile where you're at. And so I'm asking you today, where do you find yourself? Don't answer me. Don't answer the person next to you. I want you and God to rectify where you are at. And the beautiful thing about praying is if you are lying in your prayer, the only person you're lying to is yourself. Christ says, sell everything. Where are you at? One of the beautiful imageries of, of, of why we sell and why, why there is something to, to be sold is communion. We're going to take communion here in a second. Um, and, and what communion is, is a remembrance. It's, it's an imagery. It's, it's a beautiful reckoning of what, what we're actually doing. Christ died on the cross for you. That's why you sell everything. You sell everything because you have a Savior that came down and, and, and gave up His life so that you may live eternally with the triune God. That is why we sell. And it's important to know why you sell. It's important to remind yourself and continually remind yourself of why we do what we do. Why we say we believe what we believe. Because if you don't have that foundational truth on Tuesday morning when it's hard, you're going to sell a thing. You're going to hoard it up. You're going to wait till the next Sunday where me and you are looking at each other. I'm yelling at you to have a little more emotion and you just lie to yourself where you're at. My prayer today is that if we're not where we need to be, we're at least honest about where we are. Amen. So I'm going to pray over us. The band's going to come up and play. Uh, and the Ellis's are going to take a hold uh, the communion uh, stuff that Jamin has at the back. So, again, this means uh, the body, the bread is the body of Christ and, and the juice is his blood. It's a reminder of why we do what we do. It's a reminder what Christ has done to, for us. And we do this in remembrance of him. Let me pray over us. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your words. I pray that they resonate in our heart and our bones and that we, we are honest with ourselves. I pray, I don't, I don't pray for a crazy miracle this week for this room. I pray for truth and honesty. I pray that the Spirit comes alongside the men and women in this room and points them to where they are. If they have sold everything and they're living in accordance to you, God, to be praised. And if they're not, I pray the Spirit would come alongside them, love on them, Get their heart and mind solely focused on your will for your glory. Amen.